Life Audio. Hey sis, I'm excited to share this special episode of Faith Over Fear with you. This exclusive segment you're about to hear is from Jennifer Slattery's exclusive interview with Max Lucado. If you like what you hear, I encourage you to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast and check out Jennifer's catalog of inspiring episodes. Everything you need to know is in today's episode's show notes. I'll be back soon with a brand new episode of Hope for Women with Father Wounds. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we tackle our most pervasive fears with truth, because life is too short for any of us to live enslaved. We would love to connect with you online. Just visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. Jennifer Slattery, and today I'm speaking with pastor, speaker, and best-selling author Max Lucado on every Christ follower source of life, power, and peace. He is a man who, quote, writes books for those who don't read books. I love that. Max serves the people of Oak Hills Church in San Antonio, Texas, and his message is for the hurting, the guilty, the lonely, and the discouraged to whom he says, God loves you, let him. Today we're discussing his latest book titled Help is Here. Finding Fresh Strength and Purpose in the Power of the Holy Spirit, and it offers readers an invitation to experience the energizing strength of the Holy Spirit. Licato compassionately understands the overwhelming weariness that many of us from we carry from just the stress of life, the challenges we face, the questions that we maybe can't answer, and the problems that we can't solve. And he boldly proclaims there is heaven-sent help, someone who is ever strong and powerful, never tires, always near, and unhindered by what hinders us. And that's such good news. Max, thank you so much for joining us today. That is a very generous and kind (laughs) introduction. Thank you. Can you record that and send that to me? (laughs) On the the days my self-image is struggling, (laughs) I'm just going to play that. I actually had a lot more words too, but I cut it short so I could just go on. (laughs) Well, I, so I read your book. I really enjoyed it. I actually read it in maybe three days and I loved the reminder that you presented of the immeasurable blessings we received in Christ. And early in the book, you shared a time when as a young pastor, you felt exhausted and overwhelmed. What was it about that Time. Do you remember that time? And, and do you remember what really fatigued you? I remember it very, very well. Yeah. Thank you so much for letting me have this moment to chat with you. I'm a converted drunk. I'm a redeemed drunk. That's what I am. I found grace at the age of 20, but I didn't have opportunity to learn about the Holy Spirit until I was in my mid-30s. And I know that sounds odd, but maybe not so odd. I was just, I just became a Christian in a certain denomination that did not emphasize teaching on the Holy Spirit. I'm not angry about that. I just, I I owned a Bible, right? I could have, could have, but I became, I went to seminary, I became a missionary, and then I went to San Antonio, where I still am, and burned out. I just fizzled out. Man, I worked so hard and I just ran out of fuel. 
We had three small daughters, two of whom were in diapers. I was traveling too much. And I got where I just couldn't sleep. Mm. I, I got insomnia. And many Sundays I stood before the church having had hardly any rest the night before. Wow. So I was, a, I was a mess. I just, I didn't know what to do. And so the only thing I knew to do when I could not sleep, I went into a little study, a little room in our house. And I would pray. I would pray. I would kneel by an old couch and I would just pray until I fell asleep. And that, as I look back, I began to sense healing and health mm. during those days. It was a wooing. It was a gradual, little by little. Each week I rested better. Each week the problems seemed to be easier to solve. We did witness some healings in our church that were beautiful testimonies. And about that time, I was studying through the Gospel of John with the church. And I came to John 14, and I heard, I watched, uh, I read Jesus describe the Holy Spirit as our helper or as our comforter. And I said, whoa, okay. <laughs> All this time, I, I've not really known who the Holy Spirit was or is, but now I do. Now I do. And, and that that's when I began to see the, the, the beautiful gift of the Holy Spirit as the, as the helper sent from heaven. Wow. That's been a long time ago. I'm 67 <laughs> now. What is that? That's a long time ago. Yeah. But yeah. I remember it. I, I can still see that couch. I can still feel that desperation. Wow. But I can still recall that deliverance. Wow. Well, our listeners, a lot of them struggle with anxiety and fear. Yeah. And, and I wonder when you were... You know, when I read about you not being able to sleep, was there an element of anxiety? Yeah, yeah. Kind of yeah no doubt about it. That's a great, great point. I, I, you know, anxiety, it just takes it. You know, anxiety is when your alarm system in your brain won't shut off. You know, that, that amygdalae, that little walnut-sized part of our brain that's supposed to awaken us to either fight or flight. It serves a great purpose when you see a rattlesnake on the trail, but yet that thing, that alarm system needs to shut off. Those of us who battle anxiety, we don't know how to shut it off. Mm. We, we don't. And that's why we have a hard time sleeping or we have a hard time resting or have a hard time thinking clearly. And that's why we need help. Yeah. Well, I found one statement that you made regarding your young adult years. I found it really intriguing. And so you wrote, quote, I was so convinced that I was unqualified to walk with the spirit. I didn't even try. And I, and I wondered, so I know you've been a pastor for a long time. You've engaged with a lot of people from your experience. Is that a common perception, a common hindrance mm -hmm. from people really experiencing the Holy spirit? Yeah. Thank you so much for asking. You ask great questions. You really do. Thank you. <laughs> uh, see, th there are two extremes when it comes to understanding the spirit and both of which get us in trouble. One is the person who has the backstage pass to the Holy Spirit. They are the one who is buddy-buddy with the Holy Spirit and who, who has seen Elvis and the rest of us have not. <laughs> and, and that person makes a career or a ministry out of making the rest of us feel just a little bit inferior because they are superior. And then there's the other extreme, and that's the, the kind of the hall monitor. In our college, we had a hall monitor a person who who made sure we were all in 
at a certain time. I don't know if universities still do that, but but the hall monitor, you know, who who controls everything, the self-appointed posse, you know, and that person says if the if anybody does anything that I cannot understand, it's not legitimate. So both of those extremes, in my opinion, get us in trouble. They really get us in trouble. In the middle, there is the sister, there's the brother who wants just to who honor scripture, who hungers for all God wants to give, who knows they need strength. There's that place right in the middle who understands that the Holy Spirit cannot be contained, cannot be explained, yet desires to receive everything God does. You know, the Apostle Paul said, uh, aspire for the gifts of the Spirit. So we aspire for everything God wants to give. I think that's the healthy posture. The two extremes get us in trouble. But right there in the middle is a happy place to be. I actually, that, that reminded me of the section in your book when you shared how you consistently and persistently, you prayed, I, I think, something like for the Holy Spirit's filling basically. And what I loved about that was you presented, it was kind of like a journey, like a Mm. progressive experience. Is that kind of what you felt like it was this, you you mentioned wooing, but it didn't necessarily happen overnight, right? Where you just like, I, I, I now know everything about the Holy Spirit. I'm completely (laughs) led by him. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. You're absolutely right. Yeah. That particular segment is in a chapter on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which is, let's see, what is it? Primarily 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Isn't that right? I, I don't remember. but Yeah, I, I think that's right. Mm-hmm. And, and there, there the apostle lays out, you know, the gifts of teaching, the gifts of administration, the gifts of healing, the gift of discernment. And even the, the, what is probably the most controversial gift, that's the gift of, of an angelic language or praying in tongues. I was studying about the Holy Spirit, and I really just came across that phrase, aspire the gifts of the Spirit, aspire the gifts. Of, and I thought, I've never done that. I've never said, Lord, I aspire, I, I, I long for the gifts of the Spirit. And so I made that a part of my morning prayer. And I tell in the book that I began to receive a gift of praying in tongues.
And I had never sought it. In fact, there was a time early in my ministry I taught against it. <laughs> but it just it came. I tried to tell that story in a way that does not make me guilty of what I said earlier. I don't think it makes me special. I don't think it makes me unique. I think God said, I'm just going to give this gift to Locato. Now, my point in that is, let's all seek the gifts of the Spirit. Who knows? God may yet have another gift or several gifts to give you, maybe of discernment or wisdom or teaching or hospitality or administration. He may take something you already have and amplify it into something even greater. Uh, that's, that's the quest of the Holy Spirit in our lives, to surprise us and to gift us with what we need for his glory, not for self-promotion, but for his glory. That's what, that's what really matters. What do you think is most challenging for us really living in that way, seeking out the Holy Spirit and then living in his power? Yeah, I, I think we live in a secular society. Uh, by that, I mean that uh, we live in a society that says if we can't explain it, we can't touch it, we can't taste it, then it's not real. And we are so secularized, we think that's normal. All cultures are not like that. You know, in fact, uh, most cultures throughout history have had an awareness of some spirit world, whether right or wrong, whether accurate or inaccurate. Even I lived in Brazil for five years and was struck how quickly the people of, of Latin America have an appreciation for the intangible, for the spiritual. And I was unaccustomed to that because growing up in the United States, I, I, I was trained in a secular mindset. So I think that's our challenge right there. And I, I think that we have to be aware of it. And I think we pay a price for it. Absolutely. Well, I, I love this quote. You said, the spirit turns common folk into uncommon forces. I really loved when you said that. And it, when you were talking about the state of our culture, and that really hit me, you were talking about millennials being so lonely, not having close relationships, the suicide rates. I think you said that they were higher or as high as than World War II. The, the highest since World War II. Wow. And it's, it's only gotten worse since the book came out or, or since I wrote the book, you know, we now have a hotline for suicide, the 911. Now we have a three-digit number just for suicide. Wow. Wow. Well, and I, I believe prior to that, so you were or, or directly following that, you were talking about the imagery really struck me about a ranch. So like if you're selling your property, if you own a ranch and there's a stream on the ranch that all of a sudden then the, the ranch holds more value because it has living water. And, and you equated that to our culture or basically to Christ followers in our culture. I'd love if you would unpack the bit, that a bit. Are you a rancher? Well, actually, I I write cowboy romance. So set in a fictional city in Texas. So Is that right? It, yes. That's so yeah, interesting. I, I learned about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. You picked up on that phrase. Are, are you in Texas? I am not. I'm in Nebraska. In Nebraska. I love Texas. I love the hill yeah. country and the flowers. The and the, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Well, my goodness. Good for you. I live <laughs> in the hill country. I live in the hill country. Uh, yeah. So that phrase, living water, 
Uh, I did not grow up on a ranch, but I grew up surrounded by ranches. My dad was a was a mechanic in the West Texas oil field. And so in the West Texas, you either ranch or you're in the oil business. And so he was a mechanic in the oil business. But all my buddies grew up on ranches. And that's where I came across that phrase, living water or live water, live mm-hmm. water. And, and of course, Jesus described the Holy Spirit. He, you know, it, when he spoke of the Holy Spirit, he said, if anybody's thirsty, let them come unto me and drink. And out of them, out of their heart or out of their essence, their gut, literally is what it says, shall flow rivers of living water. And John uncharacteristically gives commentary. <laughs> he says, and by that, Jesus meant the Holy Spirit, which had not yet been given. And so it's a beautiful image that when you enter a room or you enter a workplace or you enter a neighborhood, you carry with you living water. You don't have to force it. You don't have to fake it. You just live it. You just live it. You relax and you say, okay, the Holy Spirit is going to flow out of me into this society, into this world. And so that's a beautiful image and it's assuring to me. And because, like you say, ranch land that has live water is valuable. And that's why I think Christians that are aligned with with the Lord and, do, and, and trusting him for salvation and the presence of the Holy Spirit, we are essential. We're the salt of society uh, because of that live water that passes through us. That's beautiful. Well, what would that look like, say, on you're just kind of going about your day? What would it look like? to remain reliant on and led by kind of in that living water so it keeps flowing from you? Well, okay. When Jesus appeared to the followers after his resurrection, he appeared to them in the upper room and he said, peace be unto you, which I just think so beautiful. I think Thank you, Lord, that he brings peace into our lives. And then he said, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathed on them. Such simple, beautiful imagery. Receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathed on them. Now, we humans like to complicate things. <laughs> we, we like to create five easy steps to receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathed on them. At least to me, I may be wrong, but at least to me that says, okay, Jesus exhales. I inhale. Wow. He exhales. So I inhale. So your question, what would that look like on a day-to-day basis? Well, I think it would look like when I wake up in the morning, I take a deep breath. And I say, Lord, I receive you today. I receive you. I say, I think it would look like as I'm going into the day, I say uh, in my car, driving to work or taking the kids to school or wherever I'm going. I say, Lord, it's going to be a busy day. I have this, 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 and this, but Lord, you're greater than that. And I take a deep breath, take a deep breath, a a breathing physically, but also spiritually of the Holy Spirit. I believe that walking in step with the Spirit is inhaling the Spirit throughout the day and throughout the night and in every situation in which we find ourselves. I find myself still seeking the Lord's forgiveness 
for struggles that I've had for all these years. Somewhere I got the idea that by the time I'm 60, I'm not going to have any struggles. <laughs> They're still around. And, uh, and, and so I inhale his grace. I inhale his forgiveness often. And I trust him more than ever to, you know, that his mercy is new every morning. So, yeah, I think it's just living in this moment-by-moment relationship with the Holy Spirit. Is that helpful? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that really simplifies it. It takes away kind of all the the ways we try to complicate things, and it's really just resting in him. I love that. And it reminded me of your section where you're talking about how the Holy Spirit guides us. And one line that you wrote that really, I, I had to sit and ponder it for a minute and really kind of think about it. But you wrote, if you want to hear from God, the first question you should ask is not what I, what should I do, but who should I hear? And I think that's a lot of people struggle with that. So how would you like, can you kind of explain that a little more? Well, you know, in the book, I talk about how the, the Holy Spirit is presented in different metaphors. And one of those is a guide. He will lead us. He will lead us. He's, he doesn't just save us and then abandon us, but he leads us. And I was surprised. I had never noticed how in the Old Testament, the image of the cloud by day and the fire by night is also described as a working of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was active in leading the children of Israel through the wilderness. And so for me to to follow the Holy Spirit is for me to acknowledge which voice I want to hear. If, If I desire to be led by the Holy Spirit, the first question is not, where do you want me to go? But who is in control of my life? Who's the wow. ultimate? Who's the ultimate authority? You know, suppose I'm here's kind of a bizarre example. OK, I'm making this up, so please don't read anything. <laughs> but suppose I said, uh, Lord, I uh, I'm seeking your will tonight as to whether I should go out and just get really drunk. <laughs> OK, I, I'm not doing that, by the way. Thank but, goodness. But yeah. But OK, so. So essential, a part of answering that question is, who's in charge of Lakato's life? Who's in charge? If I think I'm in charge, then I'm going to say, okay, Lord, you don't care if I go out and get drunk. I'm just, that's, the, that's probably the direction I would go. But if I say, no, I've been bought by the most precious commodity in the history of the world, the blood of Jesus Christ. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I am no longer my own, but I belong to Christ. He is the Lord of my life. I've asked him not just to be Savior, but also Lord of my life. Then I, by nature, by necessity, have to submit to whatever the Lord says. And if the Lord says, Locato, don't get drunk on wine, which he does, then I must submit to that. So, one of the questions, the reason this topic comes up is people say, well, I'm led by the Spirit. I don't know how to be led by the Spirit. Well, the first question is, who's in charge? Acknowledge that he's in charge. Because sometimes the reason we don't want to be led is because we want to lead ourselves. <laughs> right? At least that's a struggle I have. Yeah, well, how much of that do you think is related to us maybe not really understanding God's heart or not knowing him yeah. well? Yeah, good point. Good point. Everything, everything, 
everything begins with the character of God. Yeah. And if we perceive God as hard and cruel and harsh and distant, then, you know, we're, we're, we're stuck. But if we can embrace the fact that our Heavenly Father loves us, He said mercy is abundant, He wants what's right for us, He doesn't wish us harm, then, then we can begin to perceive that He's not playing games with us. He's not hiding His will from us. And so we can ask Him for direction, and He'll provide it. That's beautiful. And I, I, like I said, I really enjoyed your book and I loved just the grace, like you spoke with the humility and sharing honestly your journey of just growing deeper in the Holy Spirit. So what is like maybe one action step besides buying your book and reading it? Cause it is phenomenal, but one action step that you would maybe suggest the listeners do this week that they can, they can experience the Holy Spirit on a deeper level. Just one, huh? <laughs> just one. <laughs> just one. That's that's pretty mean of you. That's pretty mean. Hmm. Okay, let's do this. Nobody understands the Holy Spirit more than Jesus. Mm. So let's go to let's go to John fourteen and fifteen and sixteen, mm. which is the greatest sermon on the Holy Spirit, and and say, okay, I'm going to make that my landing zone for the next two to three weeks. And I'm just going to read and let Jesus tell me who the Holy Spirit is. Let him tell me what the Holy Spirit will do. And why is it that he calls the Holy Spirit my helper, my comforter, my counselor, my advocate? I think I think I would say let's go let's all go there. And let's just live with that those three chapters. For a few weeks and just see what happens. Wow. And I love how you just keep pointing us back to seeking answers from God himself. I think that's really awesome. And from scripture. Well, thank you again for joining us. Like I said, I, I really loved your book and I've enjoyed our discussion. And again, to our listeners, his book is titled Help is Here, Finding Fresh Strength and Purpose in the Power of the Holy Spirit. It's released by Thomas Nelson Publishers, and it's a definite must-read for anyone who really wants to experience greater intimacy with the Holy Spirit and greater freedom and peace. So thank you so much, Max. Thank you, and thank you for writing about my favorite spot in the country, (laughs) the Texas Hill Country. Awesome, yeah. To our listeners, thank you again for listening. I hope today encouraged you and gave you some resources, some some steps that you can take to experience God on a deeper level and to really live in the freedom of the Holy Spirit. If you haven't already done so, I would encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and then you won't miss a single episode. Make sure to share it with your friends and we would love it if you would rate it as well. That helps others to find it and it encourages our team as well. Until next time, may you live as one who truly has been set free. Faith Over Fear is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com.
The content we feed our minds will eventually show up in our lives. If we feed our minds the lies and confusion of this world, our lives will begin to reflect worldliness. But if we feed our minds the truth of the gospel, our lives will start to reflect the heart and character of Jesus. I'm John Stonge, and each week I host the Dwell on These Things podcast, where we take a deep look at the Word of God and learn what it means to apply it to our lives. We don't skip difficult passages, and we don't gloss over the truth. If you're looking for a show that will put your mind in a better place and help you understand God's Word with more clarity, you can listen to the Dwell on These Things podcast at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.